Welcome and bienvenidos to the second special episode of Salud Talks. We're continuing to explore infection control in healthcare settings as part of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention's Project First Line program. Salud America at UT Health San Antonio is working with the National Hispanic Medical Association to bring Project First Line content to Latino frontline healthcare workers. In today's episode, we will explore the role of nurses in protecting themselves, their patients, and their co-workers from infectious diseases like COVID-19. Hi, I'm Dr. Amelie Ramirez, Director of Salud America and its home base, the Institute for Health Promotion Research at UT Health San Antonio. I have spent many years directing research on human and organizational communication to reduce health disparities among Latinos. It's my pleasure to serve as your host for episode two of the three-part podcast series about infection control. Our first guest is Dr. Ana Maria Valdez. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, Dr. Valdez? Yes, absolutely. Thank you, Dr. Ramirez. Please feel free to call me Ana. Um, I am a professor and chair of nursing at Sonoma State University. Uh, we're a smaller sized university that teaches um, nursing from pre-nursing to FNP. And I have about 30 years of nursing experience with 20 years of stretcher side nursing experience as an emergency nurse. Um, my clinical background is emergency nursing and critical care transport. I am certified in emergency nursing and I am a fellow in the Academy of Emergency Nursing. And specific to infection control, I wrote the chapter on personal protective equipment for the emergency nurses core curriculum. Great. Thank you so much. And you must have started when you were, um, you know, just uh, 10. <laughs> yeah. I, I did. I actually started college when I was 17. All right. and I graduated as a nurse when I was 22. Wow. Very, very impressive uh, background. Thank you so much for being with us today. And, and Gloria Barrera, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and where, where you're based? Hello, happy to be here. So yes, my name is Gloria Correra. I currently work as a certified school nurse at a public high school that's right outside of Chicago, and also as an adjunct professor of nursing at several universities, but most notably at DePaul University and UIC. I'm actually the first Latina president of the Illinois Association of School Nurses, IASN, and I'm engaged with ANA Illinois by serving as an expert panel member of the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Committee. I also hold a chair-elect position within the American Public Health Association's nursing section, and I'm an active representative of Hispanic nurses on the Nursing Coalition on Climate Change and Health, and a fellow of the Alliance of Nurses for Healthy Environments. Happy to be here and, and joining this conversation. Thank you, Gloria. W wonderful, wonderful to hear from both of you and your experiences for this podcast. So thank you very much. My first question will be for Gloria. Can you share some of the roles nurses play in infection control in both the clinical and school setting? I'll start by saying that school nurses have always been on the front lines of infection prevention and control in schools. We served in the tremendous role as frontline healthcare providers mitigating the impact of COVID-19 in our schools that was by isolating, contact tracing, and ensuring exclusion guidelines in accordance with the CDC and our state and local health department's guidelines. As a public health nurse, the, the challenges in implementing mitigation strategies in my state were, were trying, to say the least. Nurses really are the front line of defense against infection spreading in uh, U.S. healthcare facilities. Moreover, the increasing number of the emerging diseases often forces nurses to take on roles outside of uh, 
those normal duties. This includes, but is not limited to, the roles in environmental cleaning and waste management. With the evolution of emerging threats and ongoing issues, such as uh, healthcare-associated infection, we need to be equipped with understanding and following infection control procedures um, to not only protect ourselves, but also to protect our patients and the communities that we serve. I don't have to remind the nurses, you know, listening to us that what we all learned in, in nursing school, that that is if it's not documented, then you didn't do it. So, so data is important too, and it provides a means for school nurses to show their essential role in schools. So during the pandemic, for example, the data points were the number of probable cases, positive cases, exposures, and it included a lot of uh, teacher communication and health department communications, whether that be via phone, email, or virtual meetings. As uh, school nurses, we really are constantly educating our communities about primary prevention, encouraging hand washing, and then letting parents and guardians know to please keep their child home when they are sick. This past school year, I think parents had a lot of questions as students returned to in-person learning. Just to kind of highlight a national poll of parents with children ages 12 to 17 that was conducted in partnership with Dubamont Foundation, discovered that the spread of the Delta variant had raised parents' uh, concerns about COVID-19 and had increased the likelihood of their child getting vaccinated. School nurses, you know, we took on the lead with COVID-19 vaccination education. And here in Illinois, partnered with the Illinois chapter of the American Academy of Pediatrics, and that was for a town hall meeting on COVID-19 and vaccines for children. And then we also created a toolkit for school nurses around COVID-19 vaccines to help guide the conversations about um, children getting vaccinated. Great. Thank you so much. And Dr. Valdez, we know that there were many challenges that nurses faced regarding infection control in the clinical setting because you were starting to see some of the first patients coming in and then to know that you also were facing personal protection equipment shortages. How did you all handle that? You know, I think the challenges with COVID-19 and infection control have been really significant for nursing, unlike anything I've seen in my career. As I said, I've been a nurse for 30 years, uh, worked in the emergency department for 20 years, and there was never a point in my career before COVID where I actually needed to be in full PPE for an entire shift, for example, right? Or where so many nurses needed to be in PPE. But, you know, historically, maybe we had a roll-up TB patient, so we had airborne precautions and really had to utilize all of our PPE. Um, But it was a finite group of nurses, usually, that were taking care of that patient. So there was opportunity, I think, to kind of come out of that PPE and be able to breathe and and to be able to function. Um, And COVID has really brought a lot of really new challenges. I'm going to kind of break them up into Mm -hmm. four things. So the first is around education. So this is, as Gloria mentioned, a fundamental skill in nursing infection control. It is taught in the first semester of nursing school in almost every school. And it is one of the first topics that we teach, right? Because it's so critical to protecting ourselves, our colleagues, and our patients. However, that training is not necessarily repeated throughout a nurse's career. You know, there may be some clinical agencies that are doing like annual comp 
competencies on PPE use and the different types of PPE requirements based on what the patient's diagnosis is. But often, as a nurse, I went several years without any kind of competency validation, mm -hmm. right? And you, know, you just kind of refresh in that moment. So now there's a need for just-in-time education. Every nurse has to be prepared to be able to appropriately use PPE to protect themselves and their patients. And we also are dealing with the nursing shortage as well, right? So not only are most of the nurses on a unit or all the nurses on a unit happen to be fully in PPE, but they may be short-staffed as well. And, and dealing with the challenges of just being in PPE, you get hot sweaty, tired, it's harder to drink, all of those kind of things. So we've also got education requirements for doing a kind of rapid competency validation of travelers, for example, in hospitals, but also nursing students and, and other roles that nurses are doing that need that just-in-time training. And one of the challenges in the very beginning was being able to get this information out as things are changing. And so as you know, as we evolve with COVID and we have different uh, variants of it and we have different surges in different areas that the precautions change from time to time. So there's that need for also real-time education and updates, which can be challenging to pull off, especially during a nursing shortage. And then we also had issues with access. We weren't prepared for every nurse needing to be in PPE. We weren't prepared for every, you know, healthcare provider to be able to do that. So early on, there were lots of access issues. I think a lot of that has improved, but we still have access and use issues. For instance, if an agency uses a specific type of N95 mask, but now they can no longer get that. So they're happy to order N95 masks from three different companies and happen to be able to train and make sure that the nurses have access. Early in the pandemic, it was really frightening to see not having enough PPE and how that affected care. So I am glad to see that that is not as big of an issue. And again, I mentioned use is challenging just because um, it's really hard. You know, if you've ever been in full PPE with a mask, a face shield, a gown, all of those things for a couple of hours, you know how fatiguing that is. Um, so I think that that's been a challenge. And then another part of the challenge is beyond teaching students and nurses and doing just-in-time training, we also have to do patient and community education mm -hmm. as well. And, and there's been lots of misinformation about COVID. And so sometimes those are really challenging conversations to be able to give our patients and our communities the information that they need to be safe and hopefully to have them adhere to that. So, you know, a lot of challenges. I think one of the biggest ones being just-in-time education and access. Yeah, you've, you've identified quite a few things there that are very important for all of us to know. And again, what an important role all of you have played. Gloria, how has the nursing and the PPE shortage affected infection control practices in school or at the community setting? So I'll start by saying that the challenge was that lack of just-in-time training, as Anna mentioned. Um, this was, of course, before ANA partnered with CDC to present Project First Line, which is the interactive series of free online tools that gives us the training and information that we really need about infection prevention and control. That real-time training and updates, that was, that's what was missing from our practice. And this comprehensive education includes best practices addressing COVID-19, for example, and other pathogens, as well as evidence-based strategies to improve outcomes. So there's an educational activity that I often share with 
with new students and also with novice school nurses on the science and reasoning behind PPE. For example, in one episode, it reviews why gowns are recommended for COVID-19. As far as staffing, I kind of mentioned already, but we do know that there is a, a nursing shortage and we've heard the pipeline issues, but I'd like to discuss the effect of the nursing shortage in community care, specifically in school nursing practice. So some school nurses manage more than one school, and it's a constant unsafe juggle to keep students safe. Newsweek reported that APS, that's Chicago Public Schools, 80% of my fellow school nurses have multiple schools, 40% have three schools, and then uh, 7% have six or more schools. Wow. It, it just doesn't make sense, and it is very unsafe, and it's it's not, it's not good care for, for children, let alone for infection control. And the National Association of School Nurses, that's NASIN, recommends a ratio of one nurse for every 750 students in the general population and a ratio of one to 225 students for for those requiring daily professional nursing. We're not there yet, but with the Future of Nursing 2030 report, we know that school nurses and their workload is a vital piece of that report and our impact on public health and infection control and prevention in schools is pivotal. Yeah, and just so many changes occurring, right, as we um, gear up again to start another fall semester. So, so much to to think about. Thank you very much. Anna, what are some of the CDC Project First Line infection control resources that you have found helpful for nurses? Thank you. And Gloria, I just want to say I really commend you and your colleagues in school nursing. You have truly been on the front line of COVID and made such an incredible impact on children and our communities. So in terms of the CDC Project First Line infection control materials, it is a really great site. It has a lot of resources on there. And so I, I will just kind of focus on a couple of my few favorites. Um, first of all, I really like that it's easy to navigate. The front page of it has tiles where you can pick what it is that you want to be able to learn. And there are resources available from um, community education all the way to nursing education on infection control and the CDC guidelines, which I think is fabulous. A couple of the ones that I really like are the first line educational videos. They've got videos specific for nurses, for example, like respiratory droplet basics, multi-dose vial use. Nurses can get continued education. And one of the things that I really love on the continued education site, there are several videos and they're short. They're about five minutes, four minutes long, which is great because you can look at that really fast. If you needed a refresher, even right. when you're working on your phone, you could look at those or you could go through and just choose the ones where you need to have some re-education or to bolster your yeah. education. I also think it's really great because, you know, if you're working with your family, for instance, you know, I've had family members who were vaccine hesitant or not really understanding right. COVID-19, I can easily send them a YouTube video from this that just explains what it is they need to know. I really appreciate that the Project First Line educational resources are available in Spanish and also translated to some other languages as well, which I think is really important. There are great like social media graphics, 
print materials. There's just a huge range of different resources that are available. The other thing that I really liked was the choosing the right PPE for COVID-19 page. I think that that's really helpful for nurses as the restrictions are changing and the information that we're getting is changing to be able to quickly look that up and be sure about what PPE you need to use and maybe even get a refresher on how to use that PPE. I think that that's incredibly helpful. And another thing that I really like is that they have a facilitator page for people who are going to lead training. And this is especially helpful, I think, for nurse educators, whether they're in the community or working with nursing students or practicing nurses. There are facilitator toolkits and booklets, posters that can be used, self-assessment forms. There's just a lot of information that people can pull. And you can do 10 minutes of education or you could do 60 minutes. You could assign a video to everybody to be able to review. So there are slides that are already there. It's really a very comprehensive site. The resources are boundless. Vaccinated. All right. Well, thank you. So Dr. Valdez, as an educator, and you help prepare nurses to enter the field into the age of COVID, you know, how has infection control education changed since the first outbreak of COVID-19? Definitely significant changes have happened. As I mentioned before, we typically teach infection control in the first semester, one of the first things that we teach. Um, that has really had to be expanded, right? Because we need to make sure that nurses who are in our nursing programs and getting ready to go into clinical settings really understand what COVID is, how it's transmitted, what PPE is needed, um, what protection, vaccines, why they need vaccines. And I'm even finding that we're needing to provide some of that education before the first day of school because parents are concerned. They have questions about vaccines. For the most part, clinical agencies are requiring that our students be vaccinated. So that's a new vaccine requirement as well as a part of our infection control education. And in the beginning of COVID, we had to develop our own education, which was challenging because we're working from limited information, right? As COVID was evolving, we were gaining new insight into how it's transmitted, what steps need to be taken for infection control. Also, many nursing schools that I'm familiar with, at least in California, before COVID did not allow their students to be in respiratory isolation right? So historically at my school, we didn't have to have people fit tested for N95s because they weren't going to be assigned patients who needed N95. Well, that has all changed, right? Because mm -hmm. even in the beginning, you know, the first year of the pandemic, hospitals in my area were not allowing students to take care of COVID patients or patients who are suspected of being COVID. But when you get 50 or 60% of your hospital is people with COVID, mm -hmm. that's really not realistic right. anymore. So we We've kind of moved from them understanding COVID, helping with vaccines, all of those kind of things, to caring for patients that have COVID. And so obviously there's a lot of risk mitigation that needs to happen with that with the school and making sure that the students are really well prepared, understand how to use PPE, know what they need to do to protect themselves and their patients. So that's definitely added to our workload in a pretty significant way. Yeah. in terms of making sure that our students are really well prepared. Because the last thing we want is for a student to be harmed right. while they're learning to be a nurse. And we've also had to deal with kind of the tracking, making sure everybody's got their vaccine. People have different vaccine mm -hmm. schedules, mm -hmm. uh, making sure everybody's had their N95 training. And then when we go to hospitals that have 
to bring in 95 masks, making sure that our students know how to be sure that those are properly fitting and that we're protected. So there's been a lot of change in what it is we need to do. And again, the Project First Line toolkits and videos are incredibly helpful. I actually shared those with the person who's teaching our foundations course now so that we can begin to send some of those out before they start. So they have a little bit of a primer of what um, will be expected of them and how to keep themselves safe, but also as resources to be able to sign or to review in class as well and not having to create those things from scratch and also being confident that what we're presenting is aligned with the current CDC recommendations, which continue to evolve. Thank you. Now, uh, we're, we're almost to the close, and I'd like to ask each of you for a closing uh, statement in terms of what are your concerns with the new variant, and what guidance do you have for nurses, either in a clinical or a school setting? Um, this would go for for my, my fellow school nurses, just knowing that the flexibility that been working with, that that's not going away, knowing that uh, we have to just keep up to date with what's changing and making sure that we're as prepared as we can be with the new variants and uh, keep doing what, what we have been doing. And as far as parents and, and just looking at this upcoming school year, I'm just going to go back to what I already shared is just following the sick day guidelines and making sure that they're keeping everyone safe by, by keeping their child home if, if they're not feeling well. And that just goes back to infection control. But yeah, just, just making sure that you're protecting yourself and protecting the community. And I think that that's what's going to uh, let us get ahead of this. Great. Thank you. Dr. Valdez? Thank you. Um, well, first, I'd like to just personally thank all the nurses out there who are doing this work, who are suiting up every day. It's been a really difficult couple of years. It's taken a definite toll on nurses. So I just want to commend nurses who are doing this work and also let them know that we're thinking about them and, and wanting to support them in the process. Pointers I would give as we're looking at new variants is that we really have to stay educated. We need to continue to be on the front line of understanding what it is that is happening and how to be able to mitigate infection. And that's hard. You know, when you're working full-time, it's hard to stay current. And again, that's where I think some of these are very helpful, these resources, because they're only a few minutes long. I think nurses need to continue to be role models for our communities. Nurses for almost 20 years have been determined to be the most trusted profession in, in the United States. And I think we have a lot of obligation that goes with that. And part of that is being a role model and being educated so that you can educate your community, the people that you know about the importance of vaccines, how that's actually helping us to move back to normalcy, which is something that everybody wants, right? I think we're seeing a lot of pandemic fatigue and people just don't want to wear masks anymore. They don't want to have to deal with this anymore. And so I think nurses are play an important role in our communities, uh, uh, making sure our communities are well-informed and they know what is happening. Also with the newest variants, uh, the way in which COVID is presenting is changing as well, right? It's not necessarily a, a respiratory infection with a cough. Now, a newer variant is having symptoms that are more consistent with like meningitis. So also being able to communicate to our patients and our communities about when they need to seek care and, and what steps they need to do, understanding the new treatments that are available. For instance, like the Paxlovid that is 
is available for COVID infections, it's really a timely medicine. It needs to be prescribed within the first few days of, I think it's the first five days of having COVID. So nurses need to be continuing their education as lifelong learners in real time to understand how the variants are changing, how this disease is affecting people, and how we continue to safeguard our communities through infection control. As you said, a very special thank to all the nurses and special thanks to, to both you, Gloria, and Anna for, for all the work that you've been doing, you know, and being on the front line there for us. And we want to thank you for participating and sharing why nurses are the key to infection control. We really appreciate your perspectives and all that you do to slow down the spread of COVID. So again, thank you for, for that. And we hope that our audience has really enjoyed listening and learning with us. And we hope that you'll stay tuned for our third episode, which will explore rural healthcare workers' role in infection control. So hasta luego y mil gracias. Thank you for all your help today.